Method to the Madness is next. You're listening to Method to the Madness, a bi-weekly public affairs show on KALX Berkeley celebrating Bay Area innovators. I'm your host, Lisa Kiefer, and today I'm interviewing Rebecca Massasak, the CEO of TechSoup Global, connecting NGOs and nonprofits around the world with the right technology to enable social change. Tell us what is TechSoup or TechSoup Global. Well, TechSoup is a nonprofit social enterprise that's dedicated to increasing the capacity of those working for good in the world and civil society and the social sector, often nonprofits and libraries. And how do you do that? I think of you as a platform. You're we, connecting two groups. That's right. We do a lot of different activities, but we, it, they're all driven by an engine that's really a platform for matching resources for nonprofits, a lot of it technology at present, uh, provided by technology technology corporations, and then matching that to 700,000 organizations around the world doing great work. Besides nonprofits, are there other organizations? It's generally nonprofits, NGOs, charities. There are, of course, a lot of different names for people doing public benefit work, Mm -hmm. Um, and then also libraries, public libraries. Let's back up a little bit because Mm -hmm. I understand that it was started from a $2,500 grant in 1987 by Daniel Ben Horan, who was the original founder. He's still on board. He's very active in the organization. And he's his he's now his role is the chief instigator, so he's still kind of watching out for the culture and also guiding uh, the vision in many well, that's ways. Great, because his vision was to bring these two groups, these com- computer savvy people, together with groups that need computers and didn't have the savviness. That, that's right. Back in 1987, he was uh, part of the Well, the online community, and he noticed that there were these uh, technical people who kind of really wanted to contribute back to society and were excited by technology. And he also noticed that his activists. Friends. He had a he was a journalist by background. He noticed that they really needed help with technology, and in some cases he was also being contacted by journalist friends who were doing reviews of software and saying, "Well, we've got three or four copies. These could go to some good use for somebody working at a nonprofit, but we don't know how to find those nonprofits." And so that was how he got the idea to really match mentors for technology with nonprofits in the Bay Area who needed that help. Okay, and you came in in two thousand and one and really broadened this vision. Can you talk about what you did once you came in as an innovator? Well, that kernel of an idea led to the, that was sort of happening at the same time as the expansion of the World Wide Web and this thing called e-commerce. And so at the time in the year 2000, the the leadership, including Daniel, had the notion of really scaling a platform, an e-commerce platform that would help in-kind technology philanthropy reach many, many more organizations. There was really no vision at that time to go global. It was was meant to be a national service. uh, And so uh, they had the foresight to realize that they needed to hire uh, professional and experienced business management as well to work with the, the nonprofit teams. And so uh, that I was brought in then with a number of critical hires, um, one of whom was our business development director who went out and did a lot of good deals to bring more technology corporations into the platform and agree to do it this way, their, their in-kind philanthropy. And then I was uh, the person who had that kind of general management experience at running a scaled e-commerce business. And uh, and so that's that's how I happened to join the organization. Yeah, and you, you got a, quite an honor. You won a 
big bid to expand this from, uh, I believe you created NGO Source out of this We did, although that was or... much later. That was oh, okay. in 2008. We, we first, as I say, launched as a, a U.S.-based service, and we got a lot of demand from, I had nonprofits in Canada calling me or, or the person we were working with at Cisco to help them administer their donation program, saying, oh, can you help this hospital in Serbia? And so we were, we were interested in helping, but we also realized what we were good at and what we weren't good at. And so we knew that we needed people with local knowledge, both of the structures of the, the sector and also how to help reach organizations, how to market to them and help them get educational resources and support together with the technology itself, whether it was software, hardware, or services. And so that, that first kind of kernel there was to, to go global. So, so we started a model to expand that through NGO partnerships. Now we have 65 of those around the world, and we serve 236 countries and territories uh, with those product donation programs, many of whom we have more than 100 corporations who donate in this manner. And uh, many of those partners that we work with on the NGO side also find donors locally. Walk me through a typical U.S. and global client who needs your product. Okay. So on the, the corporate donor side, um, we typically work with technology corporations who want to, um, are will, very, more than willing to help nonprofits either have a full donation of their uh, software or, or hardware or who have special charity offers for them but need to reach them, need to find them, and also need sometimes to help them understand and, and optimize the use of the technology. I mentioned there are about 100 of those kind of corporate relationships that we have, many of whom we've been working with for years in a real partnership model. And they include names like Microsoft and Google and Symantec and Adobe and Cisco and Bitdefender and lots of very big names. So so the way that it works for the nonprofit side is that they can come to one place, whether they're in the U.S. or in another country, they're going to come to a, a website that's localized for them. So it'll be in their language and, and their, their description of whatever the structures are legally and so forth. Mm-hmm. And um, they'll read information about what is available to to them in the catalog of offers that that, uh, I was just mentioning from the corporate side. So they'll register in one place. We will validate their public benefit status, um, gather a little bit of information necessary for eligibility, and then they can effectively kind of shop for uh, anything that's available to them in one place, as opposed to the old world before TechSoup existed, where they might have thought that they, they weren't even sure what they needed, say, to put a website together. Or they might have thought to themselves, well, I, we need this product from Adobe, but we don't know who to talk to at Adobe. And they might have had to make several phone calls and might have been someone at Adobe as an individual who wanted to help them, but also didn't have really the process or resources to actually make it happen. They wouldn't know, is this a legitimate organization? Then they'd have to go to shipping and beg a favor to, to send a product and so forth. And what TechSoup offers as a solution kind of closes that gap because we make it easy for the corporate organization to really reach more and more nonprofits. They're very happy to do that as long as those supports, support and administration structures are in place for them. And we give them reports and lots of good stories from the nonprofits that help them understand the impact of their work. And then on the nonprofit side, it just makes it a lot easier for them to get uh, you know, first-rate 
a quality products. So validation is a big thing that you do. So we have a, um, a legal team, and some of this work has been done with the leading uh, foundations in the country, as well as with the corporate donors that I just talked about on the in-kind side, to really define who is a public benefit organization, a nonprofit organization in each country. And we've done that for, for all of these countries and territories. Does somebody uh, actually go out to these places? The research and, and so forth is done ahead of time. When that documentation is created, then when we have to use that, it's, it's happening in an online process, but with local support. Okay. And then there are also centralized experts reviewing things. And so the, the way that that works, say, uh, for you talked about NGO Source. So NGO Source is, is a type of validation service. It was um, generated in partnership with the Council on Foundations. And as you mentioned, there was a, a bid for that service in 2008, the, an RFP that was put out, and, and TechSoup won that and has since launched and created that service. And the way that works is um, maybe will make sense to a U.S. audience is kind of like a TurboTax method, but for the NGO. So this is for U.S. cash grant makers who want to make sure that they have this process of equivalency determination, which is a type of very high-powered validation, if you will, to determine that that organization that they're going to give a cash grant to really meets all of the requirements of the 501c3 Internal Revenue Service uh, documentation. And so what will have to happen there is that the organization will have to have some documentation translated and know that they have a disillusion clause. You know, they're bylaws will have to be shared. Their financials for several years will have to be shared. It's quite involved, and it's a bit overwhelming. If you're an NGO working in Kenya, you may not really have any idea what all of those things are that you're being asked for. So this little TurboTax kind of application allows them to see what they need to collect and know where they are in the process, uh, ask questions locally of somebody in their time zone or close to their time zone in, in their language in order to complete that process. And it, so we then provide that information back to the grant maker. And furthermore, that certificate goes into a repository so that if the Ford Foundation or the Rockefeller Foundation or the Gates Foundation wants to also make a grant to that same organization, they can rely on that same documentation. And the NGO doesn't have to do it more than once, which is the way well, that's it fantastic. So you're saving time and saving money. What does TechSoup get from these two sides of the equation? So so TechSoup gets the, the mission benefit, of course, of building this capacity. The model is also a social enterprise, which makes it very sustainable. And that was quite an innovation that the organization came up with even prior to, to my joining the organization, but it's been quite successful, which is this administrative fee model. So what happens is when a nonprofit or NGO comes to one of these sites to uh, register and, and look for what's available for them, they pay a small fee to do that. And that covers the administrative costs and uh, allows us to provide lots of benefit back to them. We keep reinvesting those fees in webinars and articles and local events and Up kind of resources. Up-to-date technology, software. and Exactly. And, and on average, an organization gets about $17,000 retail value of technology from us. And in a given year, the average spend that an organization has has to make with TechSoup is about $150. It's great. So, so it's it's really worth it to them. Even the smallest organizations have a, an information technology budget around $10,000 a year. So have you been monitoring the efficiencies 
Yes. I mean, this is a lot of data. So. That's right. So strategically, we realize that that data and information is more and more valuable. Um, you know, we've recently added Amazon Web Services to the, the catalog of offers, and they have a, a big vision, along with many others, around finding nonprofits in, in other parts of the world. You know, we've done that with Google as well. So that data and information on where nonprofits are, what they're doing, is very, very hard to come by. When you think about GPS data, there's nothing like a satellite infrastructure and a GPS coordinate that is the same everywhere in the world. How people describe those kind of organizations has a lot of historical roots and maybe a totally different kind of legal structure in each country, Um, not to mention the fact that you've got a lot of closing spaces in civil society around the world. So you've got to really behave a little bit differently in this space. So that data has tremendous value. And we want to unleash that for lots of people who want to do good um, in terms of providing resources and programs to support good work and important work in the do you let your partners talk to one another? Say there's an NGO in Africa that wants to talk to a nonprofit in the U.S. that has a similar problem or yes. they have a solution to their problem. And-, and we and we do. We do do some of that sharing and we have some forums for them to connect as well, which they do find very valuable. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot more potential for us to do more of that. The video opportunities to communicate not only with you and your staff, but amongst themselves. You yeah, know? We, we have some um, interesting projects going on around the world, often which are grant-supported. So in Mozambique, for example, we have some e-learning uh, projects going on where we're, we're just really trying to help people do exactly what you just said, create small videos for things that they're doing, the work they're working on, and sharing that with others, and really leveraging what, what each other is Because it's a visual doing. world now, and, and in order to know what's going on remotely, I mean, I like the visually. story. You, you want, want the you story. Want to Everybody see has their story. Uh, absolutely. We yeah. have a digital storytelling contest, oh, nice. uh, Storymakers, going mm-hmm. on right now on TechSoup.org, um, based in the U.S., although it will have international coverage as well. And it is exactly this type of thing. We've got training about how to tell your story and how to create your video, and uh, we will have awards at the end of that. And so we do campaigns and things like that as well. Do you provide grant writing services? We don't really provide grant writing services, um, but we do have a lot of content um, and technology that helps you manage your fundraising and grants. Um, so that's definitely the number one topic when you uh, survey uh, nonprofits. Why would a nonprofit with. use you guys over just using a cloud-based? About 40% of our catalog is cloud-based offers as well. So we have a lot of cloud services. Obviously, the, the what's happening with technology in the world is changing quite a lot. And so we have to remain relevant to the nonprofits who, who come to TechSoup. And so we won't be asking them to take up offers that we don't think are good offers for them. But we also want want them to make their decisions about what makes sense for them. If they are an existing organization who has databases and perhaps applications that they need to use on servers, they may decide this is really how they need to support it for now. They may have reasons for doing that. might not be optimal from a pure technologist's point of view, but it might be right for them. Other organizations who are smaller or starting new projects or efforts uh, surely should be thinking very seriously about the cloud and how this might change their approach to things. And so, we are covering all of those bases. With so them. in other words, you know, for a small fee, you're keeping up to date on everything, whereas in a nonprofit or NGO, they don't have time or staff. 
well, to the, do that. Right. The barriers and challenges are different. You know, in the in, when we first started, the barrier was the price of the license of the software in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, we would go out and, and have, you know, technologists do a plan for the nonprofit for technology, but then they couldn't get any of the products. They couldn't get any grant funding for the technology, right? Today, the barriers are different. It's relatively easy to go get an application, sign up to a subscription, perhaps that's fairly affordable, but that's not really what it takes to use technology well and effectively. So you still have to change people's behavior. You might have to migrate data into that. It might change the way you do things. Plus, you have to make a selection. A couple of years ago, I was just struck, I went to the nonprofit uh, technology conference, and there were probably 200 so-called CRM, uh, customer relationship management, offers there. And so the question is, how would you decide which one to take? Uh, And I think there's a lot of that going on in in the cloud space, and it's just changing. There's a lot of complexities to consider. Most uh, nonprofit organizations do not have a professional technology team. They may, in fact, have a really bright technologist, uh, but they also may have a very limited understanding at the board and senior management level of some of these choices. They're all hearing those buzzwords, we should think about our data, big data, we should think about cloud, but they don't necessarily know how to how to apply that to their organizations with success. You've uncovered a lot of efficiencies in that arena and w- with that data. Is there anything that you've discovered that was a surprise to you from your users? If I'm surprised by anything, um, it, it's an, you know kind of my original surprise in joining the sector was how amazing the organizations are and the people and the work that goes on in the world and how important it is and how under visible it is, if I can say it that way, and also how unconnected they are. You yeah. know? And I think back to your point, I think this opportunity for us to have a lot more network effect and the work we've done to date. Um, I think there are so many more resource needs we can help meet with this matching platform in the realm of technology for sure, but certainly well beyond that to connect them with skilled volunteers. Yes, because there has to be some overlap in some of these NGOs that are doing the same thing in the different countries. and Most definitely, even yeah. in, in one county to another in the States. Yeah. Um, they probably don't even know that they exist. They don't because they're busy doing yeah. important work every day. Yeah. We've done, um, through our Caravan Studios subsidiary, we've done a lot of work with domestic violence shelters uh, in the state of California where in, instead of sort of endless, if, if you're familiar with the term hackathons, endless kind of just bring the technologists in a room for a day and they'll, they'll develop something quick as an application, we found that that's good, but it doesn't get lasting support. It, it isn't really owned. It doesn't really solve the problem. So we brought together the practitioners in an innovation kind of workshop environment to get them to talk about not technology, because they don't know technology, but really what they're trying to do and what issues hmm. they face. And then for us to go uh, with them and others to think more about the, the applications. And we've put together several applications, um, Safe Night being one of them, that is a kind of application that, for example, helps them find beds for people when they run out of beds in their supply of shelter by by allowing individuals like us to sign up with our credit card and be pinged at the point when someone needs a bed to say, yes, I'll go ahead and cover that's, that. That's like applications-based technology. It, it is. And and so that sort of community of bringing people together and helping them understand that they're all solving the same problem instead of them developing you know, 20 different apps and getting mm-hmm. grants to do that separately, this is a way to do it and leverage each other's talent. How were you drawn to this sector? I mostly had a, a corporate career, small business and large corporate. Um, and I was on the board of Performing Arts Workshop in San Francisco for six years. But I really did not have experience in the sector. My husband saw an ad on Craigslist uh, for this e-commerce manager position at uh, 
an organization called Compumenter, which became now TechSoup Global, and thought, wow, your skills would be great here because I had just been working in an internet company. And so I, I interviewed and got the job offer, thought the, the plan and vision was interesting, and um, thought I would maybe work here for six months, and here it is 14 years later. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. To date, we've distributed $5.6 billion worth of technology through this process. Billion? Billion, yeah. And we have reached 730,000 nonprofit organizations in the world. No one knows how many there are, actually. There, there really is no you know, comprehensive data, but the estimates from Johns Hopkins are about 10 million across the world. So, Does that include NGOs? Yes. So when I when, when the terminology is another thing that's so difficult about our space, because there isn't really, you know, you can say the word corporation and you kind of understand what it means. It's, it's much more difficult in this space. So when I say NGOs, I'm using that term really broadly. So nonprofits, NGOs, social benefit organizations for the most part, uh, charities, those are all the same from how we think about it. And sometimes we use the term social benefit organization, but it's not really a legal term, and some people call them civil society organizations or community organizations. So there's still a lot of growth in this area, I assume. Absolutely. As the need grows bigger, uh, how NGOs and nonprofits are using this technology now, it's not just their back office enterprise kind of functions, which of course they still need email and so forth, but they also are using it very much in their programming. They're using it to help parents of autistic children be able to visually see the progress that they don't always get to witness themselves. You know, when you see those things, you're so moved by it. I, I, every time I'm out in the community and have an opportunity to see how technology makes a difference in the work, I'm, I just want to go back and work harder at this kind of infrastructure stuff we do in the center, but that really enables so many great things. It really so makes the things. nonprofit sector, to me, a little more vibrant. It, I think I have this idea of stodginess. I, and and you use that word, stodgy, so I need to just say, I, I guess <laughs> I disagree a little bit with you, maybe, and maybe because I have more visibility. I think that there are a lot of reasons for things being more complex and difficult in the sector. I think sometimes um, you're when you're on the business side or, or the corporate side, you can that can look to you like stodginess. Um, I'm not saying that there are high performing nonprofits and you know everywhere, of course, just like businesses, they're not all high performing in every way. But sometimes there really are reasons for the complexity that they face. And so I, I, I find myself every once in a while kind of longing for the simplicity of business decisions that are just not that simple when you're mission based and when you have to be driven by those things. Um, it's not as simple as saying, is, is this a market? When we're going to a country, you know, we can't just say, is there, are there enough NGOs here to really sustainably support this service from an economic point of view. We also have to look at the need there. You know, if you're working in the Ukraine, it's very hard to work there and be effective, but doesn't mean that they don't have need a great it. need and even a greater need than many other places for strong civil society. So we, we don't want to make all of our decisions just based on economics either, but of course we need to make it work and, and survive as an organization and a community mm -hmm. resource. So so it's quite complicated, but I, I do think that um, there's a lot of kind of excitement and creativity around what technology can do. And I think that where there isn't excitement about that, there might be excitement about the cause and the work that they do. And I think that organizations and, and people who are doing, who are on that side of the equation um, are really open when, when people do come to them with ideas or ways that they can use technology to do something in a better way, in a more efficient way or a more creative way. Mm -hmm. They're not resistant to it in general. It's just that the doing of it is, is complex. Speaking of complexity, how do you manage this technology across the globe? 
So we have NGOs or nonprofits who are partners of TechSoup and who run the TechSoup program in their country or their region. When we started, we allowed the partner to choose between calling it TechSoup if they wanted to or calling it something that was in partnership with TechSoup. And, and, so and that people were familiar with. That people right. were familiar yeah. with there. And so we have a mix of things across the network, um, but we have a lot, quite a lot of countries, TechSoup New Zealand, you know, they're TechSoup Japan. There are quite a lot of them that are using uh, the TechSoup name. For some, they're, they're still using something that's in partnership with TechSoup. There's a lot of diversity in this this partner network. You know, our French partner does a lot with uh, refurbishing mobile technologies, for example. Our Swedish partner's very big in uh, volunteering, for example. So we've got different kinds of knowledge across the network. You're in San Francisco. We, we started in San Francisco, and we do have a, a team, a large team in San Francisco, but we are in many other places right. as How well. How many employees approximately? Do you have? About 200. And when you count the, the the employees that are part of the nonprofit network that I've our, our partner network that I've mentioned. Um, uh, that's probably another 75 employees or so who really focus on TechSoup programs around the world. I can see why people would become interested in, in this data that you're collecting. This network is a very powerful construct. They run the program locally. It's a social enterprise. The, the monies are collected locally for the part that is is a service paid for and shared, and that's how that works. But we also think together. We also pursue opportunities together, and we make decisions together about priorities and strategies and so forth. And it's a big collaboration that is, I call in a marriage sometimes, you know, it's it's um, things are defined because there are times when we're rolling out something for Microsoft or Google type corporation where we have to do the same thing exactly the same way in 68 countries on day one. Or when we're running something like NGO Source through the network, there there's not a lot of uh, leeway for people to do things in different ways. You have to follow exactly the process as it is. But when we're running things like local community events or um, projects like we have in the Balkans and Central and Eastern Europe, uh, Transparency EE is a project there, which is everyone putting their applications in one place that they've developed around transparency so that other people can learn about those projects and use them and so forth. So it's simply a website exchange for that. Well, we can do that in lots of different ways. Or our Net Squared program, which is organized by people around the world who just raise their hand and say, I'm really interested in helping people connect with social issues and technology and at the intersection there. We give them lightweight support in terms of here are some ideas. We, we help them get together and talk to each other. And in some cases, we might give them ideas for programming, but often it's just what is driven by what they are interested in locally and what their audience is interested in. And so we can allow for this both, you know, hyper-localization and lots of diversity and, and capture that so others can learn and we can see network effect from that. And we can also do things in this very controlled, one-way everywhere type of way. Has the government approached you with um, any requests for information? <laughs> this is good data. So we haven't been approached for one of these sort of mandatory data sharing type things, no. <laughs> you know, we're very mindful of um, you know, being in compliance and, and uh, following privacy laws and Patriot Act checking where required and things like this. So we do have those things built into the service as well. Um, but we have been approached by government agencies about helping them work better and more effectively with civil society and giving more of a voice to the civil society actors. And in some cases, using technology to do that. And, and I think that's really exciting. We have yet to really have any of those become something at scale. Uh, but we've got a number of promising and interesting conversations going on that we hope to be a part of in a you know useful role as a partner. Mm-hmm. Where is TechSoup Global going to be in five years? A few years back, you know, we'd set a goal. I had said we'll, we'll be in 100 countries by 2015. And, and I think that a lot of times the staff at TechSoup will kind of say, wow, we, you know, we blew right by that. Where are you at now? 236 countries and territories. But where we're going is to try to deepen what we 
we can offer in each of those geographies, and broaden, I should say. Um, so that will be technology resources, because we don't have the same resources available everywhere today. Um, give an example of what you mean by deepening the technology. So the, the broadening would be having more things in our own catalog, but also other kinds of offers that I'll talk about in a minute. And the deepening would be having the, the education and the kind of local events or connection to volunteers or training or services, consultants, that will actually help them be able to use some of the technology that might be relatively easy to get in some ways, but um, not so easy to implement and, and optimize. The other part of what we'll do is we'll try to take the same engine, the same matching engine and platform, and help those uh, nonprofits who are signed up for it really shine and be presented to many other players who might want to connect with them. And that might be uh, people who have corporate giving programs. For example, we recently signed a, a memorandum of understanding with uh, Benevity, who is one of the leading solutions for corporate giving, working with, I think, about 190 corporations. So working with lots of uh, very big employee giving programs, I think about so 12 you, million. So you kind of vet these places. That's right. Part of the issue is, the, are they a valid organization? Do they meet our requirements? And the other part of it is just reaching them, being yeah. able to reach them and being able to um, dialogue with them about offers that are available and getting them to, to be interested in it. So, you know, sometimes we think we've scaled and sometimes I say we've just scratched the surface of yeah. scale. There's so much more we can do and it's exciting and we really have the energy to do it. Yeah. And so and so that's really, we won't stop doing the things we're doing, but we will we'll really try to, as I say, deepen them and, and fill them out in, in the countries where they're, they're a lot lighter right now. I understand that you got a very prestigious award. Full Circle Fund gave us some recognition, and yes, I did get an award. The, the impact that, that TechSoup has had is to really have made this uh, pie of resources around technology bigger for everybody. You know, I think that, that the, the technology corporations we work with are doing more with their products and more interesting things with their product philanthropy because TechSoup is a partner they can work with. We, we, we leverage their resources, and they're able to leverage what we've put together uh, to effectively reach NGOs, and a lot of them will say that and, and recognize that benefit. Um, a lot of it is the validation, but some of it is also just our ability to be trusted by the community and work well with the community. Also, from the point of view of the, the nonprofits, who was really our primary audience, right, I, I feel like they would and do say when we survey them that we have really uh, been a game changer for them. They they are so emotional when they talk about the resources we've brought, the, the, the people at the organizations who really engage around this. Um, I remember CIO for a, a New Jersey State Police Association saying that every dollar he saves by getting technology through TechSoup, he's able, his, his management has agreed he can put into at-risk youth um, programs. And so so there's a lot of creative things happening out there for people who are, are you know, looking at this as a way to save, but also a way to do better things. And, um, you know, that kind of passion and emotion that comes from the community, I think, unleashes all kind of excellent benefit for the world. And so uh, I think our impact has is felt kind of in what we enable there and that passion and the impact of the work they do. So uh, on the side of helping the corporations do good and find more creative ways and more scaled ways of uh, doing more and more. So if somebody wanted to get a hold of you and learn more about 
TechSoup Global, how would they do that? You can visit the website, the TechSoup Global website, for a good overview of everything that we do. And you can go from there to there's a there's a page where you can pick your country. If you're you're um, not U.S.-based in the U.S., you could go to TechSoup.org, and then you would see kind of the resources specifically available here. And uh, we, we also, I'm happy to be contacted uh, directly to, um, I'm just Rebecca at TechSoup.org, and I'm happy to, you know, guide the question to the right point of, uh, or person within the organization if somebody wants to understand something more. That's great. Rebecca, thank you so much for being on the program. Well, thank you very much for having me. You've been listening to Method to the Madness. We'll be back again in two weeks at the same time. 